Welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where we will be engaging in weekly conversations around the amazing, tough, fun, weird, but extremely important and defining season of your 20s, all while bringing you more of a biblical perspective. Our goal is to dive deeper into conversations that push you, challenge you, and hopefully inspire you to begin to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be, which we believe will make you the most effective for the kingdom of God. Let's jump into this week's episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast. My name is Connor Graham, and I will be one of your hosts. You have the dynamic duo once again, Batman, Connor Graham, and Robin, <laughs> Andrew Matro. Guys, give it up for Andrew uh, Matro. Dude, you got to do the yellow button. It feels weird. They need to know that we have a live studio audience that loves we you. We do, yeah. Yeah, thank you for all the guests sitting in today. I think we have a pretty full house. I think there's like about 1,000 people here yeah, watching. Yeah, we had, we had 10,000 registered, but we have a capacity <laughs> limit. So Everyone's in masks and social distance. But yeah. I don't know if you guys know, podcast. but this is... This podcast is a big deal, so I'm, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Oh, it's all of our seven listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> yeah. It feels like, what was that movie, uh, Yes Man, with Jim Carrey? I haven't seen that. You haven't seen that? No. Okay, well, if you've seen it, I feel like our podcast can feel like when Zoe De Chanel is uh, doing her performance and there's like seven really weird people dancing <laughs> in an empty room. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I wonder if that's... If we could take a picture of our podcast, if that's what it would look like. <laughs> hey, I get a lot of positive feedback. Yeah, it's been podcast, great. So. Yeah, and you know, th- there's also been some like other ministries that have reached out uh, that have started podcasts. Yeah, not because ours was awesome, but they're like, I, we probably could do one if they can do if one. They, <laughs> if those two dummies can do a podcast, yeah, we can do. A so podcast. we've actually seen it. It's some some young adult ministries, even some like across uh, the sea, literally, are, have started. Pod- and it's been been really cool. And That's awesome. Are crushing it. That's so our, shout out to our friends, Liverpool young adults, um, out in Liverpool, man, stinking uh, yeah. crushing it. That's crazy. So it's been been fun. Yeah. That's awesome. So guys, we have a special edition podcast for you. We just wrapped up last week to follow me, kind of like series recap. Um. You know, we might not necessarily do that all the time, but when we do series that we feel pretty passionate about and feel like deserve a little further discussion, we might continue talking about that on the podcast. But what we love about the podcast is our ability to kind of say things or, or, or be a little more real than you right. can in a perfectly packaged sermon on stage. And uh, part of doing that is us getting the ability to just directly answer your questions. Every once in a while, we need to do more of these guys, but every once in a while we'll throw up on our Instagram story um, just like a a little poll, I guess, or I don't know, just like, hey, we want to answer your questions. What's on your mind? What would you like to hear on the podcast? We literally take what you say and directly answer it. We don't doctor it. We don't make any of these questions up. We might have made one up, when we first started to like start the conversation because <laughs> we had legit three listeners. Uh-huh, so, right. um, but, but truly for this one, we, we haven't made up any of these questions. These are all directly from you. Um, and we love getting to do this. And so follow us on Instagram. So the next time that we do this, you can ask a question and just know that we'll, we'll we will literally do our best to answer it. And we're yeah. not going to try to make it any prettier or uglier than you ask it. We'll just answer it straight up. And so, um, without further ado, we want to give this episode as much time as possible. We're going to jump right in. Come and on. So Let's do it. The very, and for your, and just so you know, <clears throat> as you write a question, you can get as personal as you want. We'll never like 
say your name or throw out a handle or anything like that. So you can, you're anonymous. You can ask whatever you want and just know that the world's not going to, or the seven people that listen aren't going to know who you are. <laughs> um, but here we go. Question number one, how do you not feel exhausted in your faith or how it was literally asked how to not feel exhausted in your faith? Yeah. Andrew, what are your thoughts on how to be a Christian and not feel exhausted? Ooh. Well, I think we all go through that. Um, we all have have times where it's just having the desire to go to church or the time or wanting to get into the Word or pray. Um, what's funny, though, is I feel like when we get in these modes, we feel tired, and so we, we do less. And the less we do, the more tired that we feel. And actually, when we start to lean in a little bit more to community, we lean in a little bit more to church or more into prayer or or reading. It's usually refreshes us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not novel concept, but I I do think when you're feeling exhausted, it's it's the time to like press in a little bit more and and push in a little bit more. Um, but but I, I also do think that there's there's just a rhythm in our relationship with Christ, just like there's a rhythm in relationship with people where sometimes you have moments where you feel a great connection and then sometimes you have a moment where you just you feel like you're just kind of showing up in, in the relationship. And I even think that that God understands that. I mean, you see it all throughout scripture. Like in, in the New Testament, you'll you'll see things like that be persistent, actively seek, actively knock, but then you also see different passages. Like when, um, when God spoke to his his the Israelites, his children said, "Be still, yeah, and just know that I'm God." And so, so sometimes I think that we have to allow ourselves to to sometimes sit in in what we feel. If you're just like tired and exhausted, it's okay to be honest with God in that. And sometimes you feel like I'm gonna go like attack that spiritual hill, yeah, and I'm gonna, you know. So I I just think that. You have to have a little bit of rhythm yeah, and, and a little time. bit of grace when it comes to that. But ultimately, what I do feel is the more tired you feel, the more exhausted is is just tr- be still, know that he's God, but I think lean in because what we're tempted to do is is back off, and then what the result of that is we end up probably feeling more tired. Yeah. Yeah, I would just say real quick, um, I don't think— uh, how to not feel exhausted, you're going to feel exhausted. Mm-hmm. Jesus felt exhausted. Yeah. He would go do a ton of ministry, and then it said he would like go on a mountain and like go to a quiet place mm-hmm. and rest. He um, slept during a storm. Yeah. <laughs> Ser- <laughs> He's tired. Seriously. When Jesus met the woman at the well, it said he was, exa- he was tired. Like, and, that, when and he, asked for a drink. Yeah, yeah. When, he, when he met her. So I don't, think, I don't think there's ever a way to never feel exhausted right. in your faith or, or maybe distance or I don't know. But like Andrew said, establish good rhythms, and that mm-hmm. way, it's not will you feel exhausted. It's how do you handle your exhaustion? Because yeah. a lot of a lot of people, and I and I was in a rhythm like this for a while. That's when temptation creeps mm-hmm. in. Who uh, somebody would always say like the devil gives you wins, but mm-hmm. then when you're like he'll he'll let you you know invite that coworker to church or whatever. But when you're exhausted, that's that kind of mm-hmm. tends to be when. You call that because we isolate up. when we're when we're yeah. tired and exhausted. Yeah. And so just kind of have a strategy for how how do you rest? Mm-hmm. Know how do you rest because you will be exhausted. So how it's do good. you recover from your exhaustion? Love it. Um, all right. How to foster or maybe better deal with a spirit of contempt? Um, 
contempt, meaning almost like a lack of respect or even to, to some degree like a hatred. Mm-hmm. Um, man, what a more culturally relevant conversation. Like it, we live in the age of cancel culture. If you slip up or say something, like you can just get destroyed. Mm-hmm. And But also I think, I think that that comes from a real place of hurt where people have felt ostracized or marginalized for so long that um, – Anger is a natural and even godly right. response to that. And so, but how do, how do you, um, if you're feeling contempt, how do you ha- handle that in a way that honors God? I think um, if you're, if you are frustrated or angry at somebody and like deeply angry, right. I think the best thing for you to do is, is a Matthew 18. We say it here at church, mm-hmm. go to them. The, the, the longer you stew on it without addressing it, right. the deeper it'll go, the, the deeper the roots will grow. And so... Do the hard thing. And, and you might be a, a quote-unquote victim or you might be on the, the wrong end of, like maybe your feelings are somewhat justified to some degree. Go to the person that you're frustrated with, you're mad at, and talk. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like you don't get resolved, do Matthew 18, bring another voice in, somebody mm-hmm. that's a mutual friend, and and talk it over. Um, I would just say the longer you let it slide or ride, the more you're going to write this person off and the deeper your your hate or anger or frustration is going to grow. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. And I do think that we we live in a world full of contempt. I mean, when you think of all the the political stuff and all the racial hate, and I mean, it's, it's tough. And I think it's always been there, but I think it's definitely been exposed in different yeah. ways. And I, I think what a lot of people feel contempt is – maybe not even towards a specific person, but like an overarching. And you're like, how could I ever forgive the culture that yeah. has been created that makes me feel this way? Um, I, this is a strange exercise, but I, I've done this for for with people who are struggling with forgiveness because they've talked to the person before, they've tried them and nothing works. Um, or, or they're like, I could never talk to that person. That person's dead. And yeah. they did this to me, and then they died, like, you know, something crazy. And I'm like, you should write a letter. Yeah, I've heard of that before. I did that once. Uh, write a letter to that person or to that group of people. They'll never read it, but it's you saying all the things that you need to say. Um, But at the end, say, but I forgive, and I'm going to choose. And forgiving is – that's why I think – Jesus says forgive 70 times 7 because it's just a process, and I think you have to yeah. keep forgiving every day. Yeah. Um, but contempt is not a God. Contempt is not righteous, um, and it'll only take away from you. Yeah. And uh, and the offended, or the offender will rarely feel offended yeah. <laughs> um, like you want them to. And, and so this is for you, but don't you, if you live in that for too long, it's going to affect you in a lot of ways. So big time. I like yeah. that. The writing a letter thing. That's good. Yeah. Um, somebody wrote in, I lack a healthy body image. How, how can I deal with that? <laughs> uh, well, I ate McDonald's last night and I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, eh, I don't feel great about myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people feel that. I, th- I think if we're being honest, I think that's a thing that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people go to the gym to feel better about themselves. Yeah. But a lot of people go to the gym to to look better and they think if I look better, I'll feel better. And I'll I think be that happier. There, yeah. Yeah. There is a level of like, I look good, I feel good, I feel comfortable in my own skin. Yes. But I think if I'm guessing the person who wrote this has like a, a deeply rooted 
um, lack of, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people do, and a lot more men do than what they would ever be willing to admit, uh-huh. just flat out. But um, what I would say to this person is that if you lack an unhealthy body image now, being 200 pounds, you'll probably lack a healthy body image, even if you like lose 50 pounds. And yeah, get a six-pack six or something like that. Yeah. yeah, and I just think that it's because there's something deeply rooted, and and I think it it's, it has to, there has to be a heart change before physical change or a heart change along physical change. You even see it when Jesus would heal people sometimes. Like before he'd heal their physical issue, he'd heal their, their heart issue. Yeah, their, their spiritual thing. Yeah. yeah, because heart change always has to precede physical change or else the physical change will, will only be a temporary fulfillment. So I, I would say to you, like— Man, what is what is deeper? What is it that why do you really hate yourself? It's not just because you have a few extra pounds, maybe for some people, but there's something deeper there. Um, let those two things coincide. Because I'm like, yes, you should work out. You should be healthy. You should take care of yourself. You, sh- um, because you want longevity in life, so you can be effective for the kingdom of God. But I think heart change should be in in the same process as physical change. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think like. Working out, exercising, taking care of yourself. That that's all great stuff. But like Andrew said, like be happy with who God made you mm-hmm. and and then pursue good pursuits like health yeah. or, or fitness or whatever. And mm-hmm. we live in a culture that's show your best, hide the rest. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I literally am thinking of a guy right now who really packs on the pounds over winter and then will starve himself for a week for for a one week vacation, take a bunch of pictures and show those and then <laughs> and then go back. Yeah, but like that's yeah, real. Literally, I'm not yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to call them out or make a joke about it. But that that's like a real mm-hmm. thing. Like if we're going to go to the beach or whatever, I want some good photos. And that's so unhealthy. That yeah. like speaks to like a deep part of like uh, an insecurity. So, yeah, yeah heal the inside mm-hmm. first. That's like this, this might sound so like Maury or I don't know, Dr. Phil, but like <laughs> like. Be happy with who you are. Yeah. And then if if you want to feel more confident in your skin, work on that. But mm-hmm. that won't make you happy. Yeah, it's great. So, all right. What does the Bible say about getting baptized? It says to do it. Um, yeah. Jesus did it. And uh, if Jesus did it, we should do it if we want to follow him. Baptism, um, there's a lot of, I think sometimes there's a lot of like confusion around it. Some churches baptize babies. Some don't. Some say that it's a requirement for salvation. Some don't. This is just my perspective on it. Um, I think baptism, you'll, you'll hear this phrase, is an outward expression of an inward change. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you have to be baptized to go to heaven. The, right. the thief on the cross wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't have a lot of indication of... There, there's a lot of indication of people that encountered Jesus um, and then weren't baptized necessarily like right after, although baptism was a huge practice back then. Right. And what baptism is saying is it's I'm identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I believe it, and I believe it so much, I'm going to identify myself with it through a representation of going under the water to symbol death, coming back out to symbol new life. Mm -hmm. That's what I cling to. And I think baptism, I think a big part of baptism is doing it in public. I mean, it was a huge public thing back in the day, back in Jesus' time. Um, And I think... 
it should be a celebration. Invite your friends, invite your family. If you're thinking about getting baptized, so much of our Christian faith has become this privatized thing where we do like in private, but baptism is a public. You are letting the world know you are a follower of Jesus and you're right. identifying with right. him. And so is it a salvation issue? I don't think so. Is it an obedience issue? Absolutely. And I think I think if you get baptized, if you're on the fence about that and you want to take that step, you will never regret it. Mm-mm. It is incredible. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, yeah, it's a very powerful moment. And and for the, the reality is, is that we believe it's a public profession of faith. And when you're a baby, you're you can't make a public profession of faith. And so that that's why we would say Yeah. Because uh, we we deal with a lot of people here in Colorado who uh, grew up Catholic and they were baptized by a priest when they were little children um, or <laughs> infants. Yeah, and, and we we encourage people like, hey, we think that it's as an adult, even if you're like ten years old. I'm like, I try to think of like my five year old kid getting baptized. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Um, so it's something about like, hey, I'm going public. I'm sharing with people that. This is um, what God did for my life, and I want yeah. to express it. Yeah. And if you were baptized as a kid or a baby and you feel great about that, great. We're not, we're not saying that that's a bad thing necessarily, but I, I kind of agree with Andrew. I think the majority of when we see that happen where people were at a conscious state where they knew what was happening, right. they knew what they were choosing, um, and they wanted that for their life. It wasn't a parent or a friend making that decision for them. So. Um, that's a big topic, but that's a, a quick podcast thought on baptism. Okay, yeah. moving on, because um, we have quite a bit of questions here. How do I exit a toxic relationship? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. How do I get out of a toxic relationship? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think you have to—I would ask this person, is it a is it a friendship that's toxic, or is it a, it's a relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend? Because you handle those two different ways. Uh-huh. Um, or vis- are you married? <laughs> well, oh, yeah. you know, like you, you, that that would even be handled differently as well. Um, but let's say probably who's asking this question is probably their friendship, or I'm it's with my boyfriend, with my girlfriend. I would say if it's a toxic relationship, as far as an intimate relationship, be done. Like have the conversation as soon as you're done with this podcast. Pray, hear from God, go have the conversation. Uh, be done with the relationship, shut that door, delete the number, move on. Because there's something about being in an, in an intimate, and, and when I say intimate, I'm not just saying physically intimate, but you, you've you shared things with, this, with these people. You've, you know, um, man, you just know that you're going to be moving past that pretty soon in your life anyway, so you might as yeah. well move past it now. So I, I would say be done. If it's unhealthy, it's taking away, it's not giving life to you, then you need to move past it. If it's a friendship that's toxic, if it's a friendsh- friendship that you you desire to have, then have you had the conversation? Have have you have you been vulnerable? Have you been honest? Um, if you have done that, then maybe it's time to to close that door. But if it's a relationship that's worth fighting for, then then fight for it. Have some difficult conversations. Fight for that relationship. If it's something you've been a friend with for a long time and you desire it, then then I think lean into it. But um, at some point, we have to call a spade a spade. Once you agree, when it comes to relationships oh, yeah. of like big time, dude, this is just this is not healthy, and this is taking away. Every time I'm with this with this person, I do things that I just don't want to do. Every time I'm with this person, it's just drama. Um, this person is not pushing me closer to Christ. Then be an adult and and be loving, but but move past it. And yeah, yeah. 
No, I, two cents. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. I think that's great. Um, another question that we have: women in church. What are your thoughts? Um, I hope I love women in church. Uh, I, I think more specifically, they're talking about maybe women in leadership roles Probably, in yeah. church. Um, I, I'll say that the two most influential people in my life as a Christian were my grandma and my mom. Um, my grandpa and my dad are, are strong believers, so I'm not trying to take away anything from them, but I just have um, moments w- with my mom reading her Bible on her couch that just impact me. I remember every morning waking up and seeing that. My grandma, just I think she just loves God more than any other person I've ever met in my life. Um, she's insane. But So, I mean, I'm coming from that perspective, but I know the, the bigger question is what, like, do we believe in women in leadership? Yes, I believe our church does 100%. Um, and I think there's I think there's good reason to. Uh, and this is a rabbit hole that you can really run down. I think there are people that can disagree with this and love Jesus. Um, but here's my here's my thought. What we tend to do is we take a couple passages in Scripture um, where Paul talks about maybe women not preaching or or not teaching men or certain things like that, and we sort of make that the uh, the framework that we work from. And I think that's important to recognize. I think those passages are in there for a reason. Um, but I think when we look at them in their proper context, we'll see that those are very situational to a moment. Um, and then the question then is, okay, well then how do we know what's situational and what's not situational? Mm-hmm. I think where I, how I've landed on where I stand is this. What is the greater narrative of the Bible? Um, what is the narrative of Jesus and his relationship to women? Um, what, what's God's heart for humanity in women? Mm. Okay, what do we see in the Bible as a whole and not just in that scripture? We see uh, women leaders. We see women, uh, women judges. We see Ruth saving the people of Israel. Um, we see uh, the first people to ever proclaim the actual gospel of Jesus were women mm. who left the tomb, um, which is... I guess technically preaching. Um, women were disciples. Jesus's ministry was funded primarily by women. Um, historically, after um, most of the apostles died, Christianity became a religion known as a religion for women because so many women were followers of Jesus and led the movement. Um, women rescued orphans from the streets, um, and you know Christianity became kind of known for a while as as you know like orphans and people that adopted uh, other people. I mean, women were martyrs. Women play a vital role. And I think that I think that when you understand it in the greater narrative of the Bible, um, we can see that um, women have a place at the table, should have a place at the table, absolutely. Um, in the church, as leaders, they should be able to exercise their gifts. Um, I think that just historically, when you understand the greater narrative of the Bible, when you understand God's heart, when you see Jesus um, including women, when you see Jesus like fighting for women, um, treating them against societal norms of that time, which was giving them respect and dignity, um, I think it's really clear God's heart um, through through what he thinks about women in the church. So, Yeah. yeah that, that was long-winded. No, so, I, I, I think that's great. I mean, I you know— uh, your your wife is is in ministry, um, vocational ministry. My my wife is is a worship pastor, um, and and so you know us us two sitting here, we have deep belief in in women in ministry. 
And I think women bring such a deep level of of character, a deep level of integrity to to the church world, which I think is is wildly important. Um, and and I, I will say that women's voices in the church have not been exalted like I think that they they should be. And I feel like the church is progressing in the right direction in that way. I know those are constant conversations here within our church and within our ministry of how do we expand the the female voice within our church. So I will say that I grew up in a context where you didn't really hear many uh, female voices within the church, maybe as like more worship leaders than you would as far as like teachers and preachers. Um, But but I I think some, some of our greatest leaders and some of our like most biggest powerhouses on our staff are are females. Yeah. Um. E- even our our lead pastors, Sean and Jill Johnson. I mean, man, she she spoke a few weeks ago, and I was like, I think I want to be more like Jesus after her talking than anybody that's spoken this entire year. And I'm like, there's there's just a level of character and integrity About, that she yeah yeah she's awesome that she looked like Jesus and and so I'm like anybody who makes you want to look like Jesus. Um, I, I I think can can lead anybody. Yeah. So, and if if you would like to jump jump into this more, I know there's a really good book um called The Ministry of Women, Gender and Authority in the Church, um by a guy named Kevin J. Connor. I I read it a long time ago, um and and kind of have been wanting to reread it, but it's it's a really good book. I would recommend checking it out if that's something that you're interested in. And this um, this is a much bigger. Way bigger conversation, and there's there's a lot of deeply rooted hurt when it comes to this topic. The church has a long way to to go, but I do feel like just like with the race issue, um, that the church is beginning to progress. Yeah, it has to start somewhere. And noticing things. Yeah. Um, but but I I also believe that just as big as the race issue within the church, I also believe there's there's a massive issue with with females and, and leadership within the church, and I. Um, I think both of those aspects need to be uh, looked at yeah. and, and progressive. But I think I think we're we're starting in a good place. We're getting there, you know. Yeah, big time. All right, um, moving on. Uh, actionable ways. Somebody wrote in. Uh, what are actionable ways to keep Christ at the center of my relationship? Yeah, and I'm I'm assuming that they're talking about uh, again boyfriend girlfriend. And we, we we talked about this a while ago, didn't we? About like praying with your with your boyfriend or girlfriend and having Bible studies, and we're like, that's great. Um, but for whatever reason, we just kind of felt like it just feels a little weird. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. Um, and I I just think the the best way that you can keep Christ's center relationship is have your own personal relationship with Christ and encourage that in the other one. And the. You would Christ will be at, if Christ is at the center of your personal lives, then Christ will be at the center of your your relationship. Um, if he's at the center of your life but not his life, it probably won't be at the center of your relationship. Yeah. And so it's two people saying, "I value my relationship with Christ. I'm going to pursue actively pursue that." And and then when we come together, it'll be at at, at the center. But then I also think where we can create that is, is push each other, encourage each other. Um, ask questions. Hey, let's talk about our faith. What's, what's God teaching you right now? Let's make sure we go to church together. All those kind of things are great. 
I, I think for someone to say Christ is at the center of our relationship because we do a Bible study together. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think that anybody can do that. Yeah. Um, but there's been times even in our marriage where Christ hasn't really felt like the center. Mm-hmm. And it's because both of us are lacking in our personal relationship and personal pursuit with Christ. Yeah. And so you want Christ to be at the center of your family? Well, then there has to be an, an active pursuit on the personal sides of it. And, and by doing that, you're going to invite Christ into your home. So uh, don't get fooled with the idea of because we're— we're going through a Bible study together. Christ is there. Yeah. Because um, you could be doing that, but then off by yourself, you're being knuckleheads and, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. No, I, I agree. I think um, two people that want to be obedient and think that God's way is best will be the people that keep Christ at the center of their relationship. 100%. Yeah, I think that we can get really gimmicky and— and I, you know, every time we do a relationship series, we get questions: Is it okay for us to pray together? Is it okay to read read our Bibles together? Yeah, I think, like Andrew is saying, there's there is almost like a way to build almost like a false intimacy there, mm-hmm. and like a yeah. way of like thinking you're putting Christ at the center because right. you're reading your Bibles together. But that's really just about like, do you think that Jesus's way of handling a relationship is best? Okay, cool. Does your boyfriend or girlfriend think that? Okay, cool. That will be the driver yeah, 100%. of 100% of keeping Jesus at the center of That's your good. relationship. Um, our last question, we're going to do a rapid fire round just cuz we got a ton of questions, but the last one we'll really talk about for a minute is we just had a ton of people reach out and say, "Hey, would you guys talk about mental health? Will you do a series on mental health? How do we deal with anxiety and depression, all this different stuff?" Um, I want to say first and foremost, it is such a serious topic that I, I don't really want to do just a quick drive-by mm-hmm. in, in a Q&A. Um, what, what I will say is this. It is definitely something we've been talking about as a YA team of doing a podcast series on, of doing a sermon series on. I know it's really um, at the heart of our lead pastor, Sean. We'd yeah. love to get his voice and input into things like that. We'd love to bring on professionals. Um to give you advice, we can we can frame out um, some good ideas about what the Bible says um, about how we're holistic people, mind, body, and spirit, and how mental health is um, a, a part of our walk with Jesus. Um, it's it's things Jesus is a, a prince of peace, mm-hmm. and lack of peace is a big part of mental health. Yeah. Um, but but I want to give the topic its due, and so hear me when I say this. I'm not trying to skate around this question, I want to honor it because it's such a big, relevant conversation right now. And I think it's so good that it's not taboo anymore. Like people getting counseling is a a norm, which should be a norm, you know? And so, um, yeah, keep, keep in touch because we will, we're going to dive into that here in the near future. Yeah. No, I, I, I would say the, there's so much, like you said, there's so much depth to it. But I would say, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, you'd be surprised how much you can push through in life when you have community. Yeah. And so if you find yourself struggling with some mental health issues, all the balancing statements of counseling and medication, if you feel like God has placed that for a certain time. Um, But there's something about having people in your life that you can connect with, you can share things with, expose things, and... And literally, James says there, there's healing, yeah, um, in, in in confession and healing when we allow other people. And I, I I've never had a panic attack 
for 32 years of my life. Had one during COVID. Yeah. Um, and I knew exactly who to call. I was sitting in a parking lot, crying my brains out. Didn't even know how I got to the parking lot. <laughs> Some random. And I called somebody, and they, they were there for me. Yeah. And I got through it. So um, there are deeper issues to it. So not trying to drive past it, but yeah. who, are, do you have people in your life that, that can be there for you? If not, um, you need it. Yeah, so. big time. All right. Um, so rapid fire questions. We're just going to do our best for the sake of time to uh, give quick thoughts on these. And then we will uh, wrap it up. And then next time we will we'll do this again. So here we go. Um, rapid fire questions. Somebody just wrote all things modesty. Talk about modesty. <laughs> modest is hottest. How about that? No. Modest is hottest. Yeah, I would be interested in in uh what they're asking i heard someone say once that uh the kind of fish you catch will be determined by the bait that you use okay <laughs> <laughs> um and and i i don't know i i think that there's there's a level of which we um present ourselves and this is for male and female by yeah. the way because we're we're moving into a much different generation where things that like how fellas um present themselves can can be in a very a sexual or attractive way. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that we, I'll say this, you teach people how to treat you. Yeah. And I want people to treat me this way, and so I'm going to teach them how to treat me by the way I dress, by the way I speak, by the way that I allow to be spoken to. And so if if you've been treated a specific way in every single one of your relationships, it might be because you've, Taught people that you're, they're allowed to treat you that way. Yeah. So uh, might not be, but that, but you send a strong message. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah and and do yeah. All, balancing ba- statement. all balancing statements. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I I think overall, and that may not have been her question at all. But I, I think uh, yeah, we have to have confidence in this is who I am. This is who God called me to be. I'm confident in who I am, and um, I'm present myself in a way that I want to be treated. Yeah, I think I think modesty is it's kind of in your your eyes. Like and, and what I mean by that is like to give you a, a definition of modesty, I don't know. Quakers have a different definition <laughs> of modesty than I do, but really I think you just being conscious and aware, like you know, yeah. like I if I wear this I'm doing it to draw the eyes of a guy or a girl. If I, I don't or know. I post like, this. I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like Andrew said, girls and guys. So I think modesty is a hard issue. Like what and what am I wearing? What am I doing? Um, is it to draw eyes on me or is it just because I, I like this and I also want to yeah. honor God? So yeah. there That's you true. go. Um, how do I stay present in my current season when I have a lot of nostalgia or I'm even grieving past ones. How do I move past or I really wish I was in another season of life? Um, how am I present to this current one? I know, weirdly, I've been talking to a lot of like interns from our past mm. class and they're like, it was just the best season of my life. Short plug for the internship. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you move past it? Because I know that just from my perspective, leading the internship for a year, that's a real thing. Yeah. We have people that enter the, the internship it's such a hard, grueling, but fun, informative nine months. Mm-hmm. And some people um, can struggle moving past that in my mm-hmm. class. Like, you know, and, and, you know, all the classes we've had, there's some people that struggle kind of leaving the good old days mm-hmm. and, and charging into what, what's ahead. 
I mean, I just think you have to embrace what God's given you. There's yeah. no wasted season with God. And so even if you're in a, a dry season, it's not a wasteful season. Mm-hmm. Um, God didn't take you from a great season to a bad season necessarily to just because, I don't right. know, he wanted you to waste time or whatever. And mm-hmm. so I would just say embrace the fact that every season has something for you. It has yeah. something to teach you. It has something to form in you. And even if it's not the most exciting season of your life, embrace what it is, and I think you'll pull from it what God wants you to pull from it. Yeah, and I think if you're grieving a a, a past season, then then do that, then grieve it. Yeah, like take a moment, take a few, and grieve the past season, and be willing to settle in the reality of that season is no longer. Uh, I'm gonna grieve it. I loved it. It was great. I can't believe it's over. Um, I think a lot of people experience that with college when you get into back and you kind of get into like the workplace and your own apartment and you grieve. Wow. I grieved that like hardcore, but I never allowed myself to actually grieve it because I was like, I probably shouldn't. Yeah. So I just feel bad about it. And then it's like this long, drawn out process. So I'm grieving it. So take a moment, grieve it. Thank God for it. God, thank you for that past season. But God, I'm excited for what you have next for me. Yeah. Um, Two more real quick. What comes after our yes to God? When does applicable, what does, not when does, what does applicable obedience look like? Man, for a real quick answer here, I would just say get in community, read your Bible, and pray to God and just be like, hey, as somebody who's a follower of you, what does, ask God, literally ask God this, what does obedience look like? We know that it's sharing our faith. We know that it's, um, seeing how God, what God says is right and wrong and, and agreeing with God, even if it's hard. Yeah. We see that repentance for um, maybe disagreeing with what God says is right um, and, and coming back into a line with that. So, man, I would just say dig into your Bible. The more you dig into your Bible, you'll see what applicable yeah, obedience sure. looks, looks like and then give yourself grace as you try to walk it out. Christianity is a process. Yeah. God's forming you. He didn't form you. Well, he did form you, but when you when you become a Christian, he didn't just make you perfect. Yeah. He's forming you into the image of Jesus. Yeah. And so, I would just say do your best with what you feel like God's given you in this season and trust him to walk it out. It's great. So, all right, final one real quick. How do you know if God is calling you or if it's just a desire of your heart? Hmm. Yeah, that, that that's a good question, and we all struggle with that yeah. sometimes of like, man, is this God or is this just me? Um, but but there there's the passage that that God will give you the desires of your heart, but but what comes before that? Yeah, right. It's like the what? Why why did that just blank for me? What's the passage? Oh man, I don't know. We're a bunch. <laughs> we're a bunch of pastors over here. But ba- ba- basically, submit your ways yeah, to the Lord. Yeah, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Like when, wow, that was. I hope that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I literally had it and it went blank, and I can't think of it for the life of me. You'll think um, of it as soon as we. Yeah, but it's basically like seek first the kingdom of God, and then that's what it is. There well, we there's go. that, but then there is also the one in the Old Testament, like submit your ways to the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Like there's your path. Yes. Yeah. So there, there's. There's a level of like, okay, am I walking in line with who God's called me to be to the best of my ability? And then I, th- I feel like things are pretty clear. When I have a tough time making decisions on things is when my life hasn't been in submission to Christ. Yeah. And and I'm kind of walking around like a little foggy mm-hmm. of, is this God? Is this me? Yeah. 
Uh, and then, then also, also I, I think too, like if you see an open door, walk through it until God closes it. And and if if God keeps if things keep getting affirmed over and over and over and over again, it's probably something that um, God is calling you to. Sometimes I feel like something in a prayer or a dream or during service, and I'm like, "Ooh, I'm doing that. I'm giving everything. I'm going." But then nothing is affirmed in that. Like I feel like I'm called to move to California. Well, then no doors open for it over the next six months. Maybe not God calling you to it. Yeah. But you have a moment you feel God calls you that, and then it's like thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. Great. Um, maybe that that is God's voice. Yeah, I would say maybe trust God's no a little more than like looking for a yes. And and what I mean by that is just, yeah. And what I mean by that is just uh, try, go after something. And then God will tell you no, if you're, if you're not where he wants you to be. So we said rapid fire. We spent like 20 minutes on each one, but all right, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to wrap this up. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you that we get to engage with our people um, that, we do our best, um, however good or however bad it is, to answer these questions. And God, hopefully we can just give some biblical perspective, some Jesus perspective, um, and that we can just push people and direct people in the right direction. Um, Lord, we just thank you for everybody listening. We pray that whoever's under the sound of our voice, that we uh, just encourage them and push them forward to love you more. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Um, Be sure on whatever platform you listen to, Apple, Spotify, Google, if it has it, I don't know, um, hit that subscribe button. And if you know anybody who could benefit from hearing some of these questions, share it with them. Um, For all things young adults, you can follow us on our Instagram, um, which I believe is just Red Rocks YA. And then um, for all things young adults, online you can go to rrya.org dear lord we're falling apart here at the end or uh redrocksya.com so we love you guys so much hope you have a good one and uh we will see you next week i believe bye